Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode four of Passing the Torch, the podcast by Growth Mentor. Us being in episode four means that we are already part of the 60% of podcasts that really make more than three episodes. That means we're making or we're doing something good. Um, today, I'm going to be talking with Mr. Peter Murphy. Peter uh, is someone I consider to be almost a fellow Chilean. Um, he has an incredible story of how he navigated through many different kind of businesses before finding a position into something that I consider to be a niche into the long-term care um, business, if you want to call it that way. But I'm going to let him tell the story. I want to remind you to subscribe to our podcast, subscribe to all of our social media channels, and without further ado, let's take it away. All right, Peter. Well, great to have you here. I already mentioned a few things about you during the intro. Um, I mean, we're basically both from the same country, sort of. <laughs> And um, we're going to be talking about like what, well, what you're doing and a little bit of uh, the relationship with, that you have with Growth Mentors, uh, how, um, how you ended up there, what did you learn, what are you teaching, and of course, we want to dig in of uh, the stuff that you're doing with LTC here. So um, let's take it away, man. Yeah, where do you want me to start? Um, I want you to introduce yourself. Just say a little bit of, I mean, I know a lot about you, but I want you to explain where you come from, where you're going, where you are, and basically that. Let's start with that. I'll start with what I think is the important part. Uh, I am father of an amazing six-year-old son named Quentin. I'm married to an amazing Chilean woman that I've been with for about 13 years, uh, and everything else is secondary. Uh, my life, probably the way that people would define me professionally or even personally would be a person with a diverse amount of um, interests. So, you know, I started off in Kansas Uh, went to high school in Missouri, went to college in Boston, moved to Chile for my master's and, and PhD, started my first company in Chile when I was 27. Uh, and that really took off, grew to four different cities, moved back to the U.S. in 2019 with my family. And now I'm working in long-term care, work as a consultant, uh, board member on a couple different institutions, and in love with communities like Growth Mentor. That's probably my closest, my my best introduction. That's that's um, that's quite a um, quite an introduction, uh, especially from from my side. Um, I mean, I met Peter through Growth Mentor, but I knew about the stuff that he was doing in Chile because I'm from Chile, obviously. Um, and the stories that the, all the stuff that he did there, you'll find it. I'm going to add all the links into the description of this video so you see what he's talking about. Um, so I'm just going to move on into, into the, the mentoring part, right? Uh, because we all end up in growth mentors somehow uh, for different reasons. But how was your experience? How, what, how, did you come for help? Did you offer your help? How do you end up in growth mentor? I don't remember how I found growth mentor, but I found growth mentor as a mentee first. And I remember when I first reached out to Foti, uh, the founder, I thought that it was a scam because I thought that the amount of value that he was promising from this cool, um, cool, like well-configured, well-vetted community of kind of coaches uh, seemed too true to be good, uh, too good to be true and too inexpensive. Uh, and then once when I met him, I'm like, no, this, this guy's just building and there's a lot of altruism in this. I signed up the very next day as a mentee The reason I came in was I have spent the first 39 years of my life 
in the B to C world. So business to customer, business to client. So basically selling products directly to someone without there being a bunch of decision makers in there. And when I got into healthcare, uh, became the VP of marketing at a healthcare software company, one, I'd never sold software, two, I'd never sold enterprise software, three, I'd never sold to, you know, uh, five decision makers and selling software that's somewhere between fifty to one hundred fifty thousand dollars a year was different than selling bicycle tours, walking tours, uh, or even doing a TV show. So I needed to be skilled up very fast, and I booked. I bet you I booked probably five to ten calls a month from about December of twenty twenty till about. February 15th, 2021, that, about two and a half months, I used it. Yeah, I, I used it like I was preparing for a marathon. <laughs> and I uh, I think I met everyone, the founding mentors. I think I met all of them. And uh, soon thereafter, once I knew where I was in the healthcare space, I reached out to Foti and I said, I want to be a mentor and I want to pay back uh, to everything I got. So I, 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 my incubator phase as a student was about two and a half months, three months, and then moved over. And now I play both roles. I you probably were. book about two or three calls a month as a mentee. And I probably do about six to 10 calls a month as a mentor. Oh, wow. That's, that, that's quite a lot, man. Cause I'm, I'm right now I'm not doing many, uh, but, um, the, the fact that you went from a mentee and you felt ready to become a mentor, like it just, to bring your experience into other people's, uh, but, but what, how, how did you feel or, or when was the moment that you said, you know what, I, I can do this because I have a lot to give or a lot to say. Um, was it that, or you felt that you had a lot of experience that you wanted to share? Was it more like a, a more like a, uh, something that you wanted to do or you just like, all right, well, I, I, I can do it. I mean, I think I knew right away from, uh, from the beginning that I was going to be a, a good, if not great mentor. I've belonged to other communities where the premise isn't based around coaching or mentoring like growth mentor, but the role or the value that I give inside of that is similar to what I give inside of growth mentor. Uh, so I, I, you know, I, I'd, I'd had probably 100 to 150 international interns come through my travel company in South America. And I had taken you know, entry-level liberal arts students who are studying Spanish and they're from France. And I had taught them how to become a very good marketer within three to five months by engaging them, empowering them, setting SOPs, creating systems. So I knew that I would be able to do the mentor side. Um, I just, I just needed that same thing for me when I first got into healthcare. I remember that the, the one of the calls that we had and I had with you, um, it was about this new pro. I mean, it's not a new project anymore, but this project that you had with LTC Heroes. And, and at the time, when you mentioned it, uh, I couldn't understand the the market because it was it's such a unique market, uh, and it's and it's not it's not a niche because there's plenty of money around the market, but you totally created something that it changed the way people communicate between the market can you tell me a little bit more ltc here because it's what you built to me is impressive and i love it 
Yeah, so LTC Heroes means long-term care. For anyone who's not in healthcare, that means long-term care is almost anything that is not a primary care doctor in a hospital. So when you, generally speaking, people call it a nursing home, but it's a little bit bigger than that. And when I got into that space was right in the middle of COVID. So I couldn't go into a nursing home for obvious reasons because of the pandemic. So the best way for me to be able to help our customers and our prospects was interviewing smart people about what that they were doing and turn that into evergreen material so that the rest of the industry could continue to prove upon uh, the way that they were delivering care. And that LTC Heroes was pretty good fit for me because you know this, Marcos, I, I have a TV show in South America and the, the premise of the show is not about me. It's about the people that I interview and their heroes. So I just took the format that I had from South America, which is interview people in a unique way that makes them... Um, realize that they are the contributing human element uh, to the show and doing the exact same thing with the podcast just without the video. And so what that means from LTC Heroes is I interview nursing home owners, certified nurses, aides, uh, dietitians, maintenance people, people who are trying to make a difference of in America's senior living uh, and turn them into heroes. And it really took off. Within within three months, I got Crest credentials, Crest, Crest credentials to the most important healthcare technology convention uh, for five days. And I got to take the podcast there and interview all of the leaders. I mean, I interviewed the most important executive from Zoom, what you and I are currently oh, using, wow. uh, to to on, on the podcast within the first five months. And then since then, I've interviewed the CEO of American Healthcare Association, the CEO of Leading Age, which is the nonprofit, and almost every top you know, top 50 face of long-term care, uh, they've been on the podcast. So it's really, really grown. What what surprises me that you created a podcast in the middle of, well, I mean, when there were millions of podcasts, I mean, everybody was making a podcast at that time. And you thought of applying the podcast format into a, a business that it didn't have one. I, at least I don't know if there's anyone else doing media for the long-term care like you're doing. Was it was it unique, or you said like, all right, well, let's let's try what work in other companies or in other fields, and let's see if you're working here. So I think that there were probably one or two other podcasts. Uh, to be honest, I don't consume a lot of podcasts in my niche. I consume, you know, business development or like innovation or even self help. So I don't really know what what my competitors cover in their in their podcast. What I do know that makes us unique, because I hear this from people when I go to conventions, is that LTC Heroes is told in more kind of a authentic human story type of feel, which is similar to similar to the TV show in South America. So that you know, you might think that you know, if I were interviewing you, Marcos, you might think that I'm going in to talk about how you just acquired 50 new nursing homes in the state of Florida. But actually, you and I end up talking about um, how long-term care impacts you as a musician and that the guitar that you have behind you, you bought, you received as a gift from a senior that you were taking care of in Pennsylvania. And we don't actually talk about mergers and acquisitions. You end up making it up about the human behind the business, basically. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's, um, I think that's what makes, it, what, what makes a difference right now in business is people are tired of the business story. They want to hear like, all right, who built this? Why they built this? And um and that that goes with my next question because um when we started talking you mentioned that uh, this was your first time as a VP of marketing for a for a company like this and you went for, for a software company right so you went for it and 
how was the beginning? How was your, your sort of, okay, here I am with the computer. What do I do first? I know you have marketing experience, but how did you take the first steps into it? So I knew what we were kind of re, we were re scaling or reskilling up our marketing team and our revenue team inside of our company. We were rebranding um, and starting over with a brand new team. So I, I was pretty clear from the beginning that I didn't want to use my brain width on the production side or even the, the prospecting or pitching side. I wanted to focus my energy on solving either industry problems or business problems inside of inside of our organization. So I immediately hired a, a podcast agency. And some people were like, well, why would you pay $3,000 or $4,000 to do the pitching, the prospecting, the editing, the post-production, and the social media for you uh, if you could have saved a lot of money? Well, I knew I needed, if I started with that for three or six months, I could fire that team afterwards and do it all on my own. But I needed to focus the first six months on uh, showing up uh, understanding problems instead of paying attention to was my sound adjusted? Uh, was my audio correct? Uh, was my green screen set up correctly? Uh, what if this person shows up and I don't actually want to interview them? That that I outsourced all of that. So right now you're doing LTC Heroes on your own? That like you do everything? No, I still work with the agency okay. simply because the, the return on investment with the way that they do things is amazing. So I, I just show up to calls most of the time every once in a while i'll handpick some people that i want to be on the program because i have to say i mean the, the production level it changed from the beginning to now i mean you like it's way more advanced it looks like a, almost like a tv show right now i would say probably there's three main things to that one is a certain percentage of the podcast i don't actually put on you know like spotify or google podcasts or whatever those are just live streams and for that software i use streamyard and that works really well and it looks well done it kind of looks like espn sports center that's one the second one is i just feel more comfortable right like when is like marcos if i throw you if i threw you into an industry tomorrow let's say you know like you're gonna work in uh construction and you have to do a podcast around construction you might feel so insecure talking about foundations and contractors. Well, that's how I felt for my first year. I was around these people who've been working in post-acute care in the United States and in technology for 10 to 30 years. And I was this guy who ran a bicycle tour company in South America. I, I had so much imposter syndrome that it showed up in all of my interviews. But I, I'm, and believe me, yours is one of the few uh, podcasts I also follow, um, especially because I, I like the, the, the way you handle the human side. But I, I think that sort of, I don't know much what I'm talking about here. That made it even more authentic. That's, that's you asking the real questions. That's you asking mm. like what you really care. You're a, you're a sociologist, right? Say that again. You're, um, what were your studies on? Uh, my studies and backgrounds in Spanish and sociology, okay. and then my, my postgraduate in political science. So nothing so related you, to healthcare. But you do know people. I do know people. And I think that that what makes a difference on, on the way you feel um, your uh, your podcast specifically. So let me go back in time, but the time that you were in Chile, so I don't get to let talk me, about Chile. Let me add. Let, let me add one thing to it because I think it'll it'll make sense to you why why my podcast is different or why my approach is different. And I I attribute this to my parents. My parents taught me from a very young age, and I and I actually have this conversation with my six year old probably once once a month or once every other month. 
the person that you are with needs to feel that they are the most important person in the room. There's no real reason that you need to ever tell them, I know, I know. If someone says something smart to you about a date or about how to do something, you never need to say, yeah, I know that. Or yes, I did that. You need to say, wow, cool, interesting. That person needs to feel that they are learning, that you're learning from them. My parents always taught me that. So as long as I'm not the expert in the room, just because I have a microphone in front of me, that format would work. And it, I think it, it's it's replicable to anybody. Like if you and I were forced to do construction podcast in China, I'm pretty sure you and I could do it if we followed that format, Marcos. Sorry, yeah. you were going to go to Chile. No, no, no. But I, I, I believe that. And I think, um, I think I learned that too with my kids. Um, I remember saying that, I know, I know. And seeing their face almost destroyed it's like oh my god like i came with my like and i completely changed my mindset i'm like no 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 sorry like i want you to tell me what you discover because i really want to learn from you from your perspective and you're right i think uh, it makes a massive difference so yeah going going back because i wanted to go back to chile for a bit because i'm i want you to to explain sort of how this journey of entrepreneurship uh, shape your vision right now or what you do right now and let's start with the with la bicicleta verde right that was that was your first mm -hmm. business deal. so how did you end up because i and i could bet yours was one of the first ones to be properly advertised i think i i don't remember thinking in chile is not the best place to rent a bicycle for sure yeah. so for you to start something like that like how how that happened let's go through that journey a little bit So the, the short version is I had just started my PhD at the Catholic University there, and I was a full-time professor at, at the University of Chile. You know, so I was spending 40 to 60 hours a week as an academic, and I wasn't making much money. And I realized that academia, I can't speak for academia in the rest of the world, but academia in Chile, your first 20 years is filling up coffee for a lot of people and then writing papers and somebody else putting their name on it and saying that they wrote it with you. And, and so I, I knew that it wasn't going to have the creativity nor the autonomy that I needed. So I applied to a bunch of jobs to work out after my job uh, uh, at the University of Chile as a professor. I applied to work at different jobs, like from five o'clock till nine o'clock. And nobody would even consider me because uh, I just looked like this stuck up academic who didn't know how to do anything in the private world. So I was forced to create my own company. And the only company that I could think of that I knew that I could do better than any Chilean right away was something in English and something in travel because uh, hospitality in, Ch in Chile, when I moved there in 2005 or 2004, was really subpar. Like Absolutely. hospitality in Chile has gotten a lot better because of immigrants like Venezuelans and Colombians have made and Peruvians have made hospitality a lot better. But we were really bad at making people feel welcome in, in our country for the first couple of years. So when I walked in with Spanish and, or when I walked in with English and I walked in with hospitality, I knew that I could growth hack any travel company faster than any Chilean. Chilean. And although I chose a really small niche like Bicicleta Verde, it grew into other niches that were much more profitable right away. And you were right. Like we, we hit marketing on the spot. We, when we started Bicicleta Verde, they, as far as I know, there weren't any other travel companies that had their name in Spanish. They were all in English and Chileans, especially upper-class Chileans want them, everyone to think that they speak another language, that their family's from a different background, that you. my ancestors are from from France or my ancestors are from Germany. Well, we specifically said, who cares about my ancestors? Uh, I'm going to speak in Spanish and the people who come to our country want to learn Spanish and they want to meet Chileans. So we're going to speak, put the language, put the name of our company in Spanish. And, you know, that got us on the front page of New York Times. 
We got in New York Times twice. Uh, we had customers like Beyonce and Paul McCartney and Aerosmith. All of those people have come into our office, and and so our branding took us off really quick. That I mean, I I think it was in Chile at that time, and I remember reading about it. And it was, for me, it was like, all right, well, that's a very uh, unique. Because otherwise, yeah, any any other gringo would have called it Murphy's Bikes or whatever, you know. What I mean? <laughs> And you did a great job. And, and then how the TV show came. Like the TV show, I missed it. Um, but I, I find out because one of my friends used to work, I think, in, in um, Juan Manuel Aburto. Um, he used to work there. And he started posting about, like, Aquit Las Traigo Peter and blah, blah, blah. And I started checking out. And it was it was what it was missing at that time. I mean, now there are plenty of shows similar. But maybe, maybe it was because you started it. Um, but how did you end up from, like, your venture into, like, in front of the TV? So every springtime in Chile, which is about September, October, November, all of the popular TV channels come around and they find what is up and coming in the summer. And they would always knock on our door at La Bicicleta Verde, the bicycle company, and say, hey, what do you got going on new? Are you going to a new vineyard? Are you new, doing a new cultural tour? And we would say, yeah, we're doing this. And they say, can we come out and film? So in those three months, you know, five to 15 channels would come through and do small little pieces of press on us, two minutes, five minutes, 60 seconds, whatever. Well, one of those programs was a little bit different and it was called Vuelta a la Manzana. For anybody in English, that means like, let's do a loop around the neighborhood. And they specifically asked me to show off my favorite neighborhood where I lived in Santiago called Rigoleta. And they had me do it on a bicycle. So that program wasn't five minutes, rather that program was like 15 minutes, which is a full day of filming. So like 12 hours of filming gets you about 15 minutes of TV. And on that specific day, when I was filming uh, at lunchtime, one of the bosses showed up and started having lunch and asked a lot of questions. I'm like, that's odd. I've never had a boss show up when I'm doing recording. And I think what happened was the person either wanted to get a feel for how we were doing or the person heard from one of the one of the kind of co-directors hey this might be somebody who can do their own program and he reached out to me about five days later asked me to go out to dinner and drinks with him and said hey what if we do a program just with you and i said let's call it akitlas trigo peter which in english means like Um, like I'm bringing my A game or I'm, I'm, I'm the best you're ever going to see, but it's ironic, right? It's, it's making fun of me yeah, because I can't do, I can't do the jobs well. <laughs> but I, I love the, I love the approach because I'm, I mean, well, mo like most Latin American countries, we always like to, to look good to the foreigners, right? We, we have this thing that we want to impress them. So that the, the format of the show was incredible. And again, I'm, I'm going to add that link. So um, you guys at home can watch it. Um, Just to start closing a little bit our conversation, because I know you have a tight schedule. Um, what we're gonna, what I want to ask you is, what will be the journey that you? I mean, no, all journeys are different, but that you recommend people to take, or what's the road that you think is more optimum uh, for for entrepreneurs? Uh, is it just um, study a lot? Is it just failing a lot? Trying to like what what worked for you, and what something that you will recommend in a mentor call, for example. I have a strong opinion on this. I don't have a strong opinion about what you shouldn't do because there might be something that works for you that, that wouldn't work for me. But I can tell you that if I were to start all over again, uh, or, you know, my son came to me and he was 22 years old and said, Hey, I don't, I don't, I don't, what should I do? I'm pretty strong about having a very frank conversation uh, with a founder that's a size of a team of somewhere between, you know, two and 15 employees that is already making money so that you don't have to worry about getting paid at the end of the month, reaching out to that person saying, Hey, 
I'm willing to work on the cheap um, and I'll do 50 to 75% of my tasks are following SOPs and doing trivial mundane work, but I want to be mentored and I want to be coached up. And I want to know that when you have your next hire for someone big, uh, I want to apply for that. So I want to basically move from an intern of $500 a month to being either the sales manager or the CMO or the project manager at your next hire. And I find that young entrepreneurs who are at that size of the company like go-getters. They don't really care about your resume. So I would, if I were giving advice to myself again, I would say, Peter, you don't need to go to college, go to any college, the cheapest and just finish it. Learn how to write, learn how to think, read philosophy, sociology, uh, talk to your teachers, get mentored by your teachers. Don't worry about what school you're going to if you want to be an entrepreneur. Find a young Marcos who's 28 and already has a product that works or already has a service that sales and say, hey, Marcos, uh, I, I want to be your intern. I want to learn how to do WordPress. I want to learn how to do email copy. I want to work five hours a week underneath your ads person. I want to go to your strategic planning meeting. Uh, and the next time you fire someone, I want you to record it. Will you share it with me and tell me how to hire, fire, and skill up? And I think if you have that conversation, nine out of 10 smart entrepreneurs will take that person underneath your wing. I, I really like that, that this whole learning. I mean, you, that's the only way to grow, really, just to learn. And um, having this sort of journey that goes beyond uh i'm just going to show up and say like i, I won the position of uh, vp now it's, it's it's a journey it's a road and, and applying like you said from scratch in order for you to learn to fall to get up and keep learning and, and hopefully get promoted from within i i think is one of the best advices i heard so uh peter one more time and thank you so much for joining us today i'm going to add all of the details so you can watch what peter is doing and some of his old ventures Uh, do you still have the Bicicleta Verde or is it gone? I'm selling it right now to my business partner. All right. All right. So um, if you ever go to Chile, make sure you go to the Bicicleta Verde and you'll, uh, you will not be disappointed. Peter, man, thank you so much for uh, joining us. And uh, we'll see you around for sure, man. My pleasure. Nice background. Take care, brother. Bye-bye. It was it was great to have a chat uh, with Peter. Um, I think we it was good to hear about his adventures on my homeland on my motherland but also to see how much he grew from starting this uh, little bike rental into becoming a VP of marketing for a huge um, uh, it's weird to say a huge niche but that's basically what it is it's an, it's an industry and he's leading the way they communicate so I'm super proud and super happy okay now we're going to do our soup and I'm going to bring the three things that I really really uh, taking with me From this conversation so okay the first thing that really picked uh, and called my attention was the fact that peter never stopped doing things he does everything he puts his family first absolutely but he's always creating new ideas have new businesses i mean he started with this bike rental to become now a vp of a huge uh industry really i mean it's it's, it's something that is growing and growing and he's leading the way they communicate which takes me to point number two um he's leading it because he's focusing on the human side and that makes a huge difference people really want to hear about the human behind the industry who are the people building these things who are the people uh, putting their heart into what you can see as a, as, as a very unique industry which is the long-term care and the last um, advice that he gave is something i want to reiterate again and, and just 
take the chances. If you want to become very good at something, start from the bottom, but go and take that chance. Ask someone like, please, let me learn from you. And I bet you I will be your right hand in a very short time. I will learn everything that I need to know because it's part of my passion. It's because I want to learn and I want to become part of the industry. So if I have to sort of repeat his advice, it's just to take the chance. Take that internship. Start from the bottom. Do whatever it takes for you to enter an industry that might be hard to get in there. But if you strategize your way in, it can make a huge difference. So those three things are that really made my day with our conversation. So let's finish the swoop quickly. And um, that's it. I mean, it's, it's great to finish this uh, episode four with such a positive note. Uh, also, we'd like to remind you to subscribe to our podcast. Uh, we really appreciate all of the views and all of the listening. And um, follow our social media channels. Try to start a conversation with us because we, all, we are always there to reply to you. Um, very looking forward to our uh, new episodes. Uh, there's uh, episode five coming in a couple of weeks. So we hope to see you there. And with not much more to say, thank you again for coming. Thank you for watching. My name is Marcus and this was Passing the Torch. See you next time. Cheers.